This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International, as well as Eagle Saving Nations. And I want to welcome you to the Warning Program. Wherever you're watching or listening throughout the United States or around the world, welcome. Today I have with me from Dixon, Illinois, apostolic leader Don Beasley. Don, welcome back to the Warning Program. Thanks a lot, Jonathan. Glad to be with you today. Why don't you go ahead and tell our people that are watching or listening, what's the name of your church? I'm Turning Point City Church, Dixon, Illinois, hometown of Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yeah, I wish Ronald Reagan was the president instead of the guy we have. Yeah, it would be nice, huh? Yeah, it would be a lot safer country. I think so, yeah. I haven't had you on the program for a long time. Don, what do you think about what's going on in America today? It's a, really a sad state of affairs. You really think about it with all the stuff that's going on. I mean, there's just, it's almost like whack-a-mole. It's just, there's so many different things, like these different, you know, communist groups or whatever. And not too long ago, I shared a message with our people talking about these books that were written in the 1930s. Like everything that's going on right now is really the brainchild of one man. His name was Herbert Marcuse. He came here from a school called the Frankfurt School in Germany in the 1930s. When Hitler became chancellor, he threw him out of the country. They're too radical for him. So they went to Holland for a while, and they ended up in America. And they came to the first school they put him in was Columbia University. And then he taught in all the major schools. He was actually the driving force behind the whole 60s hippie movement. He's the guy that came up with Make Love, Not War, with the hippie movement that was going on in the 1960s when I was just a boy. But his fingerprints are on everything that's going on, including all this sexual stuff that's going on. He's the one who came up with the whole concept that he wanted to get away from gendered sex. So you have men and women having sexual relationships. He wanted to get this thing called polymorphism, where he wanted to have all these different genders. So you wanted to use your whole emotional being in this thing. That's where all this, so you, you put that stuff together. So all this stuff has really been driven out of academia is where it's coming from. You know, we got a real mess on our hands because that's been going on for 50 years now, or 60 even. Oh, yeah. And so we got all the different teachers and whatever and all this stuff going on. But what's really amazing to me, I keep going back to like Jeremiah when he asked, Jeremiah asked Israel when they're going into the promised land and they've been there for a while. He basically said, as a nation ever changes God. And then he asked him, go look at Tyre and Sidon. He says, search all over. And so he brings up these places like Tyre and Sidon because these are nations when the Israel came in. They were worshiping these pantheon gods that were already there, Baal, Astarte, Molech. And what they were doing was they were changing their god, Jehovah, for these pantheon gods of the Canaanite lands. And when Jesus came along, he drove those things to the edge of the earth. And very interesting. But now I think, you know, Jonathan Condis wrote a book called The Return of the Gods. I don't know if you read that or not. But he's talking about this very thing, how we've invited all these gods back into our country and you can't make sense of this gendered stuff that's going on at all because it doesn't make sense until you understand that that's what Baal, Astart, and Molech were all about. That's what this whole thing was really all about. And we invited them back into our country and we're changing gods and we're in a deep world of hurt. We need more than a revival. I've also studied, you know, when I watch Elijah and he goes on Mount Carmel, I think people make a mistake. They think Elijah got depressed because of Jezebel came after him. I don't think that's what happened at all. Elijah goes on Mount Carmel and has a massive victory, but the people that were at Mount Carmel did not have a revival. They just went home, and he was left alone. And that's what we need more. We have to have an awakening. And if we don't have one really, really quick, 
We'll be writing our letters from captivity. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you're watching and listening to the Warning Program. My guest today, Apostolic Leader Don Beasley, Dixon, Illinois. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen, president of both World Ministries International and Eagle Saving Nations. Go to my website, worldministries.org. That is worldministries.org. Worldministries.org. Join Eagle Saving Nations now. We've got to get into the stadiums, NFL stadiums, NBA arenas, civic centers. There's got to be, like apostolic leader Don Beasley said, we have to have a great awakening. There's got to be a national repentance, which is revival. Without this, I'm telling you, millions are going to die. Right now, they're trying to topple the republic as we speak. There's corruption all through, we want to say, the government, the CIA, the FBI, the DOJ. We are in serious times in America. Only the church can stop this insanity if the church can wake up. Only the church can stop it if the church will wake up. But, Don, the church has been pathetically dysfunctional. Absolutely. It really has been. I, I don't, in a couple of weeks, I've been preaching. I had an interesting thing happen last October. In October, I sit down and I plan out my yearly preaching calendar for next year. You know, I don't put everything on there, but I basically got a good idea where we're going. You know, passages of scriptures, titles of messages, series, stuff like that. I was working, I was camping with my wife and I had a headache and I told her I need to lay down for about an hour. And in my camper, I can really darken all the, make it really dark in there. So I went back there and laid down. And the minute I laid my head down, the Holy Spirit showed up with me. And for one hour, he took me on a journey through the book of Acts. Wow. Like from memory. It was one of the most incredible times I've ever had like that. It was, I would try to ask a question and he would just say, you keep up with me. I would want to be sidetracked, you know? And then when he left, it was like right at one hour, my wife opened the door and said, you need to get up. You said you want to get up in an hour. And the last thing before he left, he said, preach this until you're done. I didn't even know what that means. I didn't even, I was going to ask the question, done. That's a lot of different things. I don't know what it is. So I've been preaching on it from this whole year, breaking it down in different pieces and whatever. In Acts 19 coming up is where they had, you know, a powerful, they were preaching and Paul's, a lot of miracles are happening. That's where they had the aprons and napkins and stuff going out. And then they had a revival happened where all these people came and confessed their sin. And then they brought all their witchcraft and sorcery books and burnt them. And I think sometimes we miss what that was. They were repenting for having demonic doctrines and worshiping these things and whatever. And they brought all those materials they had for that and they burned them. There's a powerful thing there. And the real repentance was going on. That's what repentance really looks like. And I think if we have an awakening and real revival, I think the real key to that would be broken altars. Because there's all kinds of demonic altars, the people that go to church and whatever. I mean, we've got to understand the devil is religious and he goes to church. The real sign of revival, no matter where it happens, is broken altars. Well, I'll tell Gideon you. goes up and breaks down his dad's altar. You know, they're going to kill him for it. And his dad said, well, if Estorah's God or Baal's God, let them take care of themselves. We need to break down these altars that we have and their sacred cows that we have that are not, they have nothing to do with God. I tell you, it'd be interesting to, to see what you preach this year compared to what I've preached. I know I did seven weeks in a row 
on evil spirits, the demonic. Most pastors today could not recognize a person with spirits in them. They're so far away from Pentecost, and they they move again with common sense, but they don't move with the Spirit of God. Mm. Uh, I've done part one and part two on altars, broken altars. Uh, I did a message on uh, cracked foundations. Um, I'll tell you what, like I said, uh, I know the Holy Spirit is the same and he's probably been really impressing upon you like he's been impressing upon me uh, these these topics because uh, subjects because America is so naive now. Uh, we are so naive. Uh, what brings on the demonic? Um, I tell you what. You know, I wrote an article, if you've been watching or reading my articles on tattoos and other things and body piercing, and uh, I, I did a message on Moloch, Moloch ruling America. And you're right. I mean, uh, uh, we have America is becoming it's like you go to India and uh, or one of these nations. And that's how our people look like. And they don't recognize uh, uh, what they're doing and and why they do it overseas. And but they're opening themselves up to demonic influence. Mm -hmm. And uh, our, our nation is basically pagan. I know my background is Assembly of God. I was with an Assembly of God minister. Just this last weekend, we had our, our service went about four and a half hours because we moved a lot in the gifts of the Holy Spirit at the end, and uh, really, uh, and they were so uh, refreshed and excited because basically. Uh, He's an Assembly of God pastor, but he says the Assembly of God is basically dead. Uh, people don't move uh, like what started the denomination. They need to get back to their roots, and it's it's like a dead Lutheran church now, but. Uh, We've got to get back, if we want to say, Don, to our roots. We've got to get back to Pentecost. We've got to get back to where, where men of God moved with revival. We move with revival. And, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, people pray for revival, but I move with revival. I move with Pentecost everywhere I go. And, and that's what we've got to get back to, Don. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, when you look at this, I was just, we have a guy that I, a real good friend of mine from India, and uh, we were just talking one day, and I was, I've been working on this message, a series of messages called Doctrines of Demons. And uh, and I'm not dealing with, I'm talking about doctrines of demons in the church. Yes. That that people have, you know, adopted these nonsensical things they do. And, you know, it, it takes a lot of courage, though, because like, uh, like yoga, you know, practice as some kind of exercise. And this guy, a friend of mine is from northern India. And that's where real demons, I mean, they got a lot of demons in northern India. You bet. I've been there. And he said, he told me that that you have to tell people that every, and he's helping me understand this, every one of those poses that they get into is a demonic entity. And you get yourself in that pose to allow this demonic entity to have control of your of your body. And so... You're, you're, people don't realize they're doing all this stuff that's inviting. Uh, demons can't overtake. You have to invite them in. Yes, yes. People are doing stupid things, inviting demons in, and then wondering why their life has tons of strongholds in it because they're doing these kinds of things. And I'm t- there's the, when I put this list together, it's absolutely crazy some of the things. People are just, I mean, our people are okay, but other people, they throw a fit when you bring this stuff up because it's, I mean, it's their they're pet things they want to do, you know? Oh, you bet. So, yeah, I, I, we really, we have to wake up. 
I mean, the, the church has to be woke up, and it can only be woke up by the preaching, the true preaching under the of, under the Holy Spirit's guidance of the Word of God. Well, that's and, you it. know, I, if you went across America next week and you surveyed all the pastors what they preached on, I, I bet you if you twelve topics would cover everything they talk about. You know what I mean? And it would all be the same old stuff, prosperity or, you know, but as far as talking about sin in your life, strongholds, how to break them down, how to be free, how to live a holy life, how to be sanctified unto God and all that, they, they would have, you, you won't find very many of those uh, because it's just so unpopular uh, out among people. And even when I talk to my pastor friends and whatever, they're just like, ah, I, I, I can't go there. I can't do that. Um you know, and but I find that people uh, are very, very open to it. They say that's how, so it's very encouraging. I don't know what they say. Well, that's I want to encourage the people, but I'm like, you want to encourage them to remain in bondage. I mean, it's encouraging to be set free. Totally, totally. And, and you know, as I've been saying for so very long, you know, not only do we need a, a tremendous national repentance, which is a great awakening, a revival, but uh with without Pentecost again, without the power of God coming down, which is the whole purpose for eagle saving nations, we got to get back to the power of God operating through the life of the believer. I mean, we're you know pastors we aren't even supposed to go out and try to do the work of God without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. You right. know, Jesus said, "You will do these same things I do, but before you try it, go and be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Go tarry, so I can continue my power through you." And they're trying to do it without. God done right absolutely I think of when you say that I think of the Paul in this passage of scripture I'm talking about where you have the seven sons of Sceva there and it's very interesting because people today have knowledge but they don't have understanding totally and so like they have all this knowledge of all this stuff okay so like the seven sons of Sceva they go and they say we, we try to cast out these demons in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches and the demon says interesting thing and it's the only two only place in the Bible where you have these two words together. And the demon says, Jesus, I know. So he says, so the word for knowledge, gnosis, I know Jesus. And he said, I, um, epipimum, it's a, I forgot how you say the word, but it's a Greek word. And it means understand. He said, I understand Paul. Yes. But who are you? So, so the, the demon said, and so the question for us then is, is that, do we understand the knowledge that we have of Christ? And, and I think that we're using the knowledge of Christ today through the grace teachings and whatever is, is more like some kind of amulet that we wear around for protection. We think that we have this, it protects us from demons and this and that and whatever. And I think we've just, we're, there's just so much deception going on among people. And then the same thing is true in the Bible. When God judges a nation, he, he always starts first by talking to the people who are preaching to his people, the teachers, the priests, the whatever. He goes after him and says, you know, you're, you're failures because you have failed to do this. When that's the only, that's the job I gave you to do. And you have failed to do this job by doing all other kinds of things. And so we have to, I mean, we got to stiffen up our spine and get a little steel uh, to, to preach uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ in its fullness. Not just, you know, people, we talk today, if you ask people today about their church, you say, they tell you how many people got saved. If you follow that question up by asking how many people have been delivered, 
I mean, their head will cock sideways. They don't even know what you're talking about. How many people are, are getting delivered? How many demons have been cast out? How many people have been healed? And they, they don't know because all they, it's only about getting saved. And so that's like the end of the conversation is so when somebody gets saved. But that's only the beginning. And the question is, Don, did they really get saved? Did they preach exactly. the, Did they teach the gospel, preach the gospel that now you have to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ and and discontinue sinning? Did they really know what they were doing? Uh, right. The gospel is being preached out of context so much that I question that a lot of these people don't even know what it means to be a Christian. Well, I agree with that. I I, uh, I I would wonder, I ask the question all the time about grace all the time. Why is it that every time somebody says, I'm going to err on the side of grace, that means I'm going to have to accept some more sin. Uh, it, it, we never err. We never err the other way. We always like give grace. We've mistaken grace and mercy. Mercy is to cover. The Bible says, blessed is the man who covers over sin. You know, we want to cover people. Uh, real in the right way, but we don't we don't cover it in such a way that we don't acknowledge that it's there. It's it's you know it's there's a whole different thing there. But the grace is an incredible power. It says it teaches me to say no to ungodliness as I eagerly await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't even have that part of grace anymore. We just have this cheesy side of grace. It's actually if you go into the Book of Revelation, there there's two churches where Jesus brings this term up. And he brings up this term, of, it says that, that it's the um, doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And at least in my understanding, when I studied that out, well, that it was a, a man named Nikolai in the first century came up with this goofy doctrine that said, the first part of it is that your spirit and your soul, your spirit and your body are separate. So your body's going to be condemned, your soul gets saved, or your spirit gets saved. Therefore, since your spirit's saved, you don't have to worry about your sin of your body because it's going to be, and they didn't accept that. that that's literally what first, the book of first John, when it said, if you say you haven't sinned and you, and then it says, if you confess your sin, you'll be, you, you shall be saved and you'll be cleansed of all your unrighteousness. That entire first chapter was to deal with this doctrine of this Nicolaitans, this Nikolai, they called it by his name at that time. But, and then it, I think that's what spawned into what we call hyper grace today, because they basically say the same thing. You don't have to worry about sin because your spirit's saved. And Jesus said, I hate this doctrine. I, hate, I don't know of any other thing Jesus said he hate, but he said he hated that. And the second thing, part of the Nicolaitans, is they separated the, the clergy from the laity. So the clergy, the clergy did all the ministry and the laity didn't do anything. And Jesus said that this doc, you allow this doctrine and I hate it. You know, Jesus said, will I find faith when I return? You know, right. sin is through Old and New Testament. It was actually one book, Old and New Testament. Sin is mm -hmm. all the way through both. Grace right. is all the way through both. Absolutely. I mean, cities of refuge. I mean, you look at the heroes of the Bible and you could go on and on. They all had grace. King David would have been executed for premeditated adultery and murder. Grace is all the way through both books. You know, people say, well, grace is New Testament. Grace is Old Testament. Grace is New Testament. It's one book. Right. And so people don't understand that. Grace is simply time given when the spirit's in the body to judge oneself. Because when the spirit leaves the body, there's no more grace. It's judgment according to the word of God. Mm -hmm. Now, Jesus discontinued uh, that law 
of sin and death. Uh, if you accept, really accept Christ as Lord and Savior, then uh, you're not under the law of eternal separation. Now you have time, you know, forever you're with God, eternal salvation. So mm-hmm. that's all grace is. We escape eternal separation or eternal death. Now we can right. have eternal life. That's all grace is, but it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with changing uh, the definition of grace and sin. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree totally. That's probably, I think, one of our biggest deals today. You know, I, I hear these guys talking, they, they, they talk all the time about the Pauline doctrine, which I think Paul would roll over in his grave if he thought that he changed the doctrine of Christ in any way whatsoever. But, you know, I, I ask them all the time, and it's really funny. I say, you know, okay, because they're, they're the one that say he, you know, done away with all this stuff, and they give you all these verses of Scripture that they pluck out of context. I said, yeah, you do realize that the Apostle Paul, he went to Jerusalem, and he fought for the Gentiles, and they came out with only, the only thing they had to do is not eat meat, sacrifice to blood. They couldn't have sexual morality, and uh, not meat, not, uh, not meat from the uh, temples. And so, that's what they sent out there to the people. Now, Paul went and fought for that, but Paul is the one that wrote all of the extended lists of sin in the New Testament, and he said, if you do these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to heaven. You're going to, you're going to go to hell, and so, you know, and so the whole idea of being a carnal Christian that they talk about where he talks about carnality, and I'm just like, define a carnal Christian for me because to me, that's an oxymoron. <laughs> I mean, you're either carnal or you're Christian. I totally agree, Don. They, they've taken it way out of context, the Pauline theology. Uh, I, I, I wrote on that for my thesis and studying for my master's degree, and uh, it, I'll guarantee you, you would agree with it totally, but they have taken it way out of context and twisted the scriptures just like they do on grace and sin. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing, you know, is you, as you read through the book of Acts, the one thing, I mean, the Holy Spirit came right away. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem without the Holy Spirit. And, you know, this is not a new thing. There were 120 people in the upper room, but according to Apostle Paul, he gave that command to about 500 people. 380 of them didn't think that it was necessary to hang around. They could go off and do this on their own or whatever. Do what you know. But they waited, and the Holy Spirit came. And then from then on, I don't care whether it was Peter or Paul or any of them, the first thing they would ask is, you received the Holy Spirit since you believed. And they'd say, no, we've only received John's baptism. They'd immediately lay their hands on them, pray for them. They'd get baptized, Holy Spirit, speak in tongues. Uh, you know, uh, and so even Apollos, whenever you have, um, they have, they take him aside and teach him the way of God more clearly, which is, well, clearly was referencing the Holy Spirit. It was, you know, tucked in between a couple of places on that. But we do need the Holy Spirit in a visible way in our life to come and empower us and strengthen us. And there's not, you know, that's the big battle that's going on today. Everybody say, well, I got all the Holy Spirit I need when I got saved. And I'm like, I- I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit multiple times, and I'm I'm going to need more of them. The more that we deal with this nonsense we're dealing with, the more of the Holy Spirit we need. And the Holy Spirit comes to baptize you, to, to help you do the work that you're called to do, to be able to see things you cannot see, understand things you cannot understand, and be able to perform things that you cannot perform in your own strength. Yeah, Jesus said, don't even try to represent me until you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Go, Terry. Go, Terry. Uh, I need to be working through you, and you'll continue to do what I've done 
at this point. You'll continue to add miracles. But uh, people are nullifying the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're, they're nullifying the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Paul said, I speak in tongues more than any of you. We are supposed to have an ongoing daily relationship and charged up daily and being charged up more and more with the supernatural power of God. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening, watching the Warning Program. My special guest today has been Apostolic Leader Don Beasley out of Dixon, Illinois. And uh, this is Dr. Jonathan Hansen, World Ministries International, Eagles Saving Nations. We've got to have another great awakening. There's got to be a, a baptism of the Holy Spirit throughout America again. We're trying to get into the National Football Station stations, uh, stadiums, NBA stadiums, civic centers. Go to my website, worldministries.org, worldministries.org. That's worldministries.org. Join Eagle Saving Nations. 360-629-5248 is my phone number. 360-629-5248. And look right now and order the book, The Science of Judgment. Reverend Dr. Jonathan Hansen has written a book titled The Science of Judgment. God is predictable. There is a scientific pattern for the rise and fall of nations throughout history. We need to understand the laws or the rules of design regarding prophecy and judgment. When it comes to the laws of judgment and prophecy, denominational or personal belief systems have nothing to do with the reality or the certainty of the rule of judgment. Dr. Hansen's objective is to warn leaders of nations of the second coming of Jesus Christ and the plagues or judgments that are coming upon these peoples and nations that reject Jesus Christ as Savior according to the Scriptures. Dr. Ronald E. Cottle, founder and president of Christian Life School of Theology, states that this book is a must-read for Christians and other leaders in the United States and in other nations. It is clear, powerful, and well-reasoned. We all owe a debt of gratitude to Dr. Jonathan Hansen for the years that have gone into the research and writing of the science of judgment. This book has more than 300 pages, divided up in five sections. Part 1, The Science of Judgment, has chapters titled such as The Laws Regarding Prophecy and Judgment, Patterns of Apostasy, Purpose of Chastisement, Standards for Justice and Mercy, God Forgives When People Repent, God Holds Nations Responsible for What Leaders Do, Parental Responsibility, The Feasts of the Lord, Solomon's Transgressions and Their Consequences, Righteous Kings versus Evil Kings, Example of King Jehoshaphat, Ungodly Alliances, God is Predictable, God Holds People Accountable, Man Can Turn into an Intelligent Beast to Do Evil. Section 2, The Deception of the Theory of Evolution, has chapters titled as Problems with the Theory of Evolution, Evolution and Racism. Darwin's Hatred of Christianity and Its Fruit. Section 3, Why Must There Be Judgment, has titles such as The Fall of America and Her Destruction, Cult Christianity, Radical Liberal Politics. Section 4, Kings, Dictators, and Presidents, with the following chapters listed as People Choose Their Nation's Leaders, Qualifications for Godly Leadership, Romans 13, Delegated Authority, Satan is in Charge of This World, Not Jesus, if laws violate conscience, we must disobey. Finally, part five, so what must we do? These chapters are listed as, we are in a cultural war, our responsibility to a hostile government, the Christian's science of judgment. With turmoil ever increasing throughout the nations as Bible prophecy is coming to life right before our very eyes, one must read the science of judgment to have a clear understanding of these events and the reasons why. 
Call 360-629-5248. 360-629-5248. That is 360-629-5248. And request your copy of The Science of Judgment for a donation of $35 or more, plus shipping and handling. Thank you, and shalom. Shalom.